listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras. Instant cameras. And everything analog photography related. Matt Loves Cameras turns 50, and no, I'm not talking about my age, I'm talking about the 50th episode of the podcast. It's finally here, and today I have some very special, opinionated guests. This is not Matt Loves Cameras, this is Matt's Love Cameras. Also keep listening in the intro for a very special camera giveaway from a very kind benefactor and friend of the show. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt's Love Cameras. my friends how are you i hope you're well wherever you are all around the world welcome to another episode of matt loves cameras episode 50 of matt loves cameras but today it's matt's love cameras i have three very special guests mr matt jones in thailand mr matt evans in wellington new zealand mr matthew joseph in melbourne australia and of course me matt murray here in beautiful sunny brisbane australia Now, just something I wanted to tell you before the episode kicks off. There's quite a few swear words, cuss words, curse words in the episode today. Some of the maths got uh, very opinionated and very sweary. Uh, I mean, it's not too bad compared to many other film photography podcasts. It's pretty mild. But I just wanted to warn you that there are quite a few F-bombs and a few other swear words throughout the episode. Uh, So, yeah, you've got little ones around. You know, maybe you want to put, you know, earplugs in their ears or something. I'm not sure. Um, So normal service will resume back to, you know, Know, the clean, clean cut, family friendly Matt loves cameras in the next episode. Uh, but I just wanted to warn you of that beforehand. So you're going to meet them in a minute. We're going to be talking about some hot topics in film photography. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, but for the moment, I want to tell you about a very special giveaway for the 50th episode. And it's not me doing the giveaway, but very special uh, friend of the show, Ken Bertram, a very kind gentleman who has donated a whole load of stuff before. I know he's uh, donated stuff to Roxana Angles and uh, has been a very good friend to a lot of the people in the, the film community. So Ken actually has not one, not two, but seven spare cheap plastic focus-free panorama cameras. Now, you'll know from last episode, we are rerunning Pantastic. So, Pantastic 2021 is open now. Uh, Get those cheap panos cameras out and shoot those cameras until the end of November. All the details are on mattlovescameras.com. At the moment, it's the second article down. The first one on the website is Pushing Colour. And then the first one down after that is Pantastic 2021. So just a very quick reminder of the rules. You've got to have a plastic focus-free camera. Uh, So the camera must be made of plastic. The camera must be fixed focus. The camera must weigh less than 150 grams or five ounces. The camera needs to be able to take photos in panoramic formats. Panoramic, panoramic formats. And if it needs any kind of battery to operate, it's not eligible. So all the ins and outs, all the rules are there on mattlovescameras.com, but it's basically exactly the same as the competition we ran last year. And so get those cheap 
panos out, like the Ansco Picks, the Ypic Panorama, Ultronic Panorama, all those kind of cameras, get them out and shoot until the end of November. And there will be further details coming in uh, future episodes. But for now, if you want to know what to do, get along to mattlovescameras.com. Now, if you live in the lower 48, that is the, the United States, uh, excluding Hawaii and Alaska, sorry to friends in, uh, in Hawaii and Alaska, but um, Ken Bertram is giving away seven plastic pano cameras. So there you go. He is giving away seven of them. And here is how to enter. This is a podcast exclusive giveaway. So I'm not telling you this on Instagram or anywhere else, just here on the podcast. So what you've got to do is you've got to send Ken an email. Now, Ken's email is kenbertram at gmail.com. I'll spell that out. It's K-E-N-B-E-R-T-R-A-M at gmail.com. And, you know, put your subject line, uh, Matt Loves Cameras Pano Contest or, or Pantastic 2021 or whatever you like. And the first seven people who live in the contiguous 48 United States who email Ken... Ken will send you one of his lovely, cheap, plastic, focus-free pano cameras so you can take part in this competition. Isn't that lovely? Thank you so much to Ken. It's an amazingly generous offer. He really is a wonderful gentleman. So there you go. I'll repeat that email address again. It's kenbertram at gmail.com. K-E-N-B-E-R-T-R-A-M at gmail.com. And also get along to Instagram and give Ken a follow. Ken Bertram Photo. So there you go. Very, very generous offer. So getting quick, the first seven people uh, will get themselves a camera and they can take part in Fantastic 2021. Now let's kick on with the show. Welcome to the 50th episode of Matt Loves Cameras. And I thought for the 50th episode, what is better than having one loudmouthed, opinionated Matt? And that is having four of us all together. So I've got on the line, I'll introduce you one by one if you want to give an overview of who you are, what you like to shoot with, what kind of photography you're into, and if you want to give any socials out as well. Now is a good opportunity because I'll probably forget later on. So we'll start with the furthest away, and that is up in Thailand, we have Matt Jones. Well, thanks very much, Matt. It's it's a real uh, honour to be uh, welcomed onto your fiftieth show. Yay! <laughs> um, what I shoot with, well, pretty much mainly black and white, just because I've got a dark room and I print and uh, can't be bothered scanning colour too much. Um, and I guess a lot of pinhole, really, which I know Matthew Joseph on here loves, also fellow pinholer. Um, just oh, and Matt Evans too is giving me the thumbs up there. We're, we've got Zoom, so we can see each other's crazy faces here, even though everyone else <laughs> can't see us. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I'm not giving out my socials because I'm not taking any more followers. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. You're I'm very sorry. selective so with your followers. That's fair enough. That's we're at the enough. limit. You're an international man of mystery. What can we say? Uh, so we're next. We're now going to go over over the ditch, over to the the land of the long white cloud. I believe they call it. We have Matt Evans in Wellington, New Zealand. How are you, Matt? Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm um, I'm very well. Um, this is my first podcast, so uh, oh wow, yes, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Awesome. Um, I don't mind shilling myself so uh, if you want to follow me i'll take all matt jones's followers um you can find me on instagram uh, matt evans photo 
and on Twitter, but uh, as the same, I haven't spoken, but I don't really use Twitter much. It's too hard, man. I got <laughs> two kids. I got one social platform's enough yeah. for me. So, um, and I think, what do I shoot? Uh, Matt stole my thunder. Pinholes, experimental photos. So I do a lot of pin, homemade pinholes, holgers, a lot of black and white, the occasional bit of color for summer because it's fun. And Matt Murray usually makes uh, photo photo books that uh, <laughs> make me really want to go and shoot Ultramax 400. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, just um, mostly fun plastic cameras, experimental stuff, holders, stuff like that. That sounds like my, my kind of jam. I've never got on with the Holger, but I, I do love me a plastic camera. And we're now going to head down south, down to Melbourne, Victoria. Now, on our Skype screen here, Matthew Joseph looks very frozen. So I'm hoping he's still on the call and he's still with us. He's on yeah. mute. I can tell you that much. If he's still on the call, he's on mute. You're on mute, yeah. Matt. I'm here. <laughs> so welcome, welcome back to the podcast from Matthew Joseph. Uh, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. We know you're an expan man, but you know, what, what have you, what have you been shooting lately? What have you been up to? What have you been, you know, doing? Uh, yeah, look, I'm on a bit of a hiatus for photography at the moment. I'm, I had a bad experience developing some film and it kind of put me off and I am in, currently in lockdown. So dealing with that. And I'm not really shooting much at the moment. I don't think I've shot anything for two months, which wow. if it goes on if it goes on any longer, it'll be a bit of a record. But I bought a um I've been playing lots of video games, so I know this is not the Matt Loves Video Games podcast. Well it could be. That's what I've been doing. And um, what I mean that that's that to me is enough of an advert for sending your film to the lab as I've ever heard. But what do you want to? Is it too <laughs> traumatic for you to tell us about the uh, the accident that occurred? No, it's just it was a, a, a terminal case of the film sweats. Uh-huh. Like I actually had condensation forming inside my dark bag, um, and I couldn't get the uh, film onto the reel, mostly one twenty. And then my developer, which is the Lazy Man's developer, which is the Cinesteel DF96, isn't great. Mm. So I kind of wrecked some films. And (laughs) I think there were six or seven of them. And, yeah, it kind of put me off. Oh, no, six or seven. There you go, kids. Yeah, so if you're listening out there, um, don't develop at home yourself. Just send it to the lab and keep keep some labs in business. Matt Jones isn't yeah. loving that. I've got a I've got a partial solution for the film sweats. It only works if you've got a dark room, but it does work very well. And that's if you've got if it's really stark and it's craggy, like maybe you're using some 70 mil film cut down, you know, like IMAX film cut down to 120, and it's dragging on the edges. If you put the reel and the film in a sink of water, it all slides on like butter. You just hold everything under water and it works in a dark room. Preferably. Nice. Yeah, I don't have it. I don't have a dark room. <laughs> there you go. If you ever do, now you know what to do. So moving right along, we're going to get through some some hot topics tonight. This is kind of a mashup in a way, uh, this episode. It's going to be between, of course, uh, you know, negative positives, have their, their roundtable episodes. And of course, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite cameras, camera podcasts lately is I Dream of Cameras, which you can find on the Sunny 16 Presents feed. And they had their quick fire round. So this is a, this is a kind of like a quick fire roundtable with the, the four opinionated mats. So, well, I'm just did you bring say up- it was a mat? Did you say it was a match up? 
A match. It's a match up. It's, yeah, this is this a is match. Matt. This isn't Matt loves cameras. This is Matt's love cameras. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get you all We're having to, a mats up. You a mats up. We're having an auto, automatic mats up. Uh, so you've you've perused the questions, gentlemen. Do you have any Do you have any questions before we kick off and we get your opinions on things? No, I didn't scroll that far back. Well, that's all right. That can be a surprise. I can I can put you on the spot. We'll wing it. <laughs> okay, excellent. So they're, they're, Fuck it, we'll do it live. Pretty, yeah, they're pretty easy. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get to the harder ones later on. But here is the first one. Here is a, the easy one, and we'll I think we'll stick to that order. We'll stick to the unless I change it. We'll stick to that order we started off with. Okay. So the first question is: Have you bought any new film photography or related purchases in the last month, Matt Jones? I did, but it's a bit unusual. I bought some Kozo paper, the handmade stuff. You know, it's not photo paper. It's yeah. like stuff that people uh, sort of do ink drawing on, and uh-huh. it's it's made here locally, so it's got all this, like, bamboo and, like, all these gritty bits in it. And um, and then you, I coat it with, like, an emulsion in the darkroom, and just uh, you can either print onto it or put it in the 4x5 and shoot. So... Yeah, that, that's the latest, the latest thing I bought, and it is is quite fun. Very cool. So you have shot some of it already, or? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Awesome. We've got some right. Here's one of them, anyway. Just coming into focus on Skype. We can't move it back a tiny bit. No, move it back, not forwards. Oh, cool. <laughs> they can see it now. So is that someone on a boat? Yeah. Yeah. You can make it out just. <laughs> I think you have. I think you've got a filter on your Skype that blurs everything. So it was actually your face was in perfect, in perfect sharpness, and the and the image was actually blurred. But I saw it there. I did see it there. Very cool. Yeah, I tried to blur the face out. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, Matt Evans, what have you been up to? Have you been buying anything, or what's the story over there in New Zealand? Uh, no. Well, no. <laughs> I bought one thing. I yeah. would say I would say it's film related. It's, it's photography related. Yeah. I bought a shutter release for my digital SLR. So when I'm scanning my negs, oh, nice. I'm not having to use the 10 second timer anymore. Yeah. So and and that's and that's about it. Um, lockdown's got us going all weird. You know, I haven't really shot much. So yeah, yeah. And what what uh, what kind of uh, setup do you use to to digitize your negs? Oh man, it's mine is very number eight wire. So I've got an in, inverted tripod. I've got yep. two tripods. I've got one on a um, that you can tilt the uh, internal stem. You know, you can tilt it ninety degrees. Yep. So I've got one like that. So sometimes I'll put it on a taller bench if I'm feeling flash. But the rest of the time, it's usually on the other tripod, which is inverted on the floor. Yeah. Uh, on a light box, uh, and I've got a, a Nikon D eight hundred and a 70 mil macro so i chuck those on and um i use the um trying to think of the film holder i use the uh the one from what's his face at 35 mmc's hamish yeah the one hamish made yeah uh, i can't remember the name of the pixelator i've got pixelator. blank as well um pixelator the pixelator <laughs> film holder so pixelator. i'm using yeah. how that you, and how are you finding the pixelator i think it's great i mean it's you know it's like price point is great it yeah. does exactly what you want it to do yeah i've got i'm eyeing up that is it valoy is it the the guy is it i think that's how you say it valoy the guy that's um fin finish i think or something it's right. scandinavian it's a metal and it looks fancy and it's yeah. got and you can wind the film through and i'm you know i keep lusting over that but the pixelate does it does all the negs so i can do 35 120 yeah. 
yeah. and you do what probably do four by five on there if you wanted to. So, yeah. um, I don't. If you're using the pixelator and you've got like a roll of one twenty, can you slide it through? Slide, you can. slide, slide. Okay. Yeah, you have to sort of separate it slightly to give it a nice, um, so it doesn't like pinch. But um, but yeah, that's how I do all my thirty fives. I just pull them through. Um, cool. I like that Simon Forster makes the three D printable. Uh, extras yeah. for it as well. So I've got one for when we did the sprocket holes and we were doing uh, the, oh, the panos, sorry, when we were doing the panos, um, he made a, an adapter so you can scan panos on it and black everything else out. So, right. um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, cool. So over down to, well, down, down south to Matthew Joseph. He, he's in a film, right? Have you bought anything recently, Matthew? Uh, photography related? No, but I have to. I got to buy some new uh, uh, reels, plastic reels. They're ones that are easier to load. I've got to invest yep. in some of them. Um, but yeah, I pretty much spent my photography budget this year on a camera a few months ago, the Noble X. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, and the tax return uh, paid for the the new laptop nice nice there's going to be zero photography related things on the laptop oh really why is that yeah it's just for game it's just for game it's a gaming gaming laptop very cool yeah it's got those obnoxious obnoxious colored lights on it oh that's pretty good what what's your favorite um the game you're into at the moment uh doom eternal is doom doing it for me okay that's good that's good yeah I'm still playing Fortnite now and again, but, uh, you know, I'm still very average. It's so powerful it can't run Skype with video. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I've been a Mac user for like 15, 15, 14, 15 years or something, and I just don't know how to change the volume of the microphone on it. But not many, uh, there's not many games that are made for Mac, is there? That's probably why you bought a Windows Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Too much, too many missed opportunities playing yeah. games. Right. Well, I've bought. I've only bought two things. I've been looking at my my eBay. Actually, I bought three things in in August. Um, so um, you know, I, I'm kind of you know put, moving the goalpost back a little bit. But I bought three things. I bought a one of those you know those Japanese industrial cameras that were all the rage. You know, for work sites. You know, because you need a a 35 mil camera on a work site. Uh, so I think Fuji did some, and also Konica did some. Also Polaroid did the job sort of the job site cameras. So there's a sort of uh, rough kind of rugged cameras that you can drop and throw around meant for real men on, on the work site so the one i've bought is the um the konica genba kantoku which is a, a 28 mil wide angle heavy duty 35 mil film camera it's an ugly looking thing but um apparently you know it's it's a wide fairly wide angle camera and apparently it's uh, it's pretty good so i bought one of them uh, it's actually still in the box behind me somewhere. I haven't actually opened it up. They could have sent me a brick and I wouldn't have even know at this stage. Um, I also bought, on, a, on an impulse, I bought some Kodak Ectopress, uh, which is 1600 color print film, which has expired about 20 years ago. It's probably going to be as grainy as hell, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of high-speed color film, even if it is a bit old. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to shooting a roll of that and see if it's any good. And the only other thing I bought was for my birthday, 
my, my daughter decided she wanted to buy me a camera. And um, so she went on eBay with my credit card and bought me a camera with my credit card as a present to me, which was very kind of her, although it was my money. Uh, she actually bought me uh, a Macy's. Of course, Macy's is the uh, the American department store. Macy's Kermit the Frog camera, <laughs> which is oh, a plastic nice. crappy camera. But, uh, you know, it was it was it was bought with my credit card, with love. Uh, so Kermit's kicking around the office somewhere. I don't know where he is, but I, I'm looking forward to trying out Kermit. And that sounds weird. And and seeing uh, what kind of shots I can get out of um, um, Mr. Kermit. Uh, so there you go. That's what that's what I, I've been buying lately. I, I have been I have been shooting a little bit, but I don't know. I found I've, I think over the last couple of months I've lost a little motivation as well. I have I've, I've I think I've sent I finished off a Super 8 roll, my first Super 8 roll. And I had some black and white. I had some APS developed, which was a bit of a, a bit of a buzz in the APS. So it had wicked color shifts. And uh, I've got about six or seven rolls. I've been kicking around for about three months. I've been trying to finish off, and I'm, I'm about to finish them off. But I feel like I've, I've been in a bit of a rut as well. But there you go. So um, next question, moving on to the next question. How is life in your part of the world and have lockdowns and other sort of COVID-related incidents affected your photography and your motivation? Matt Jones. Yeah, it has for me because my normal mode is just to go out on my bicycle or my motorbike through. I'm in a really rural area. It's all rice farming. And the farmers don't really have fences in Thailand or not in my area. So you just kind of ride through the paddocks, through people's properties. They'd normally just wave to you and you just go anywhere you want, photograph. But you kind of can't do that anymore. Now we've got our sort of third wave of, you know, COVID, Delta, whatever it is coming through. Everyone's way, there's no lockdown. It's just a social pressure. It's just people are way more paranoid. So you have to wear masks outside, mm. fair enough. But yeah, you just, just you just really don't feel like going on people's property. So, I guess that's I guess that's what that's why Alan and uh, Bill and those guys started that pole project, and that's been kind of useful too because shooting power poles, you can just kind of stand on the on the street or on the side of the road and and you know maybe even look like you're doing something important rather than interfering in people's lives and and spreading disease. Matt's just gone off to do something. So I think we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we could be gracious and wait for him to come back. Polls. I didn't actually hear all of that, as you probably know. Um, but I will I will be listening to that when I edit this episode. So it sounded very interesting. I'll, I'll say that. I, I did hear about uh, the polls and I heard about you, people not being as friendly anymore in Thailand, if I got the gist of it. Yeah, that's right. We're like lepers to each other now. Yeah, well, I had I had an emergency here. Um, my daughter does not like feeding the dog because the smell of the dog food, which is just like biscuit, makes her sick. So she interrupted my podcast to tell me, "Dad, can you feed the dog because it makes me sick?" Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, moving right along, we move over to Matt Evans in New Zealand. Uh, how how is uh, you know COVID uh, affecting your part of the world? Um. Well, now it's a little bit different. Like we've had, had we had a two-week lockdown in Wellington recently. Up until then, we've just been cracking on life as normal. You know, it was compulsory to wear a mask on a bus on an airplane, and that was it. We haven't had to do, we haven't dealt with it like the rest of the world. We've been yeah. in our own little 
ecosystem Hubble. almost mm. and just happily taken away. And then, so now this time around with Delta, it's been a bit of a shock to the system, I think, for most people. And like I said, Auckland is still in a lockdown, hopefully another week or two. Um, but we should be out of it by summer for sure. And then we'll be back to festivals and being COVID free and not having any form but at the same time we have to open up sometime so yeah um it'll be interesting but this time like i said before it's um been weird like it's been nice but this time around that like, you kind of know what you're in for and like for me it's it's only like it's only two weeks and i know like sydney's been what sydney and now what 12 weeks 11 yeah. so four, four, 13 time. weeks or something and i can't imagine that so for two weeks be at home with the kids and just have time with them it's kind of like um it's quite nice yeah. Right, yeah, but it's funny, like Sydney, all these things around the world. I, I, I saw this thing on TV the other night about France and the people they interviewed some people in Paris that they were doing some kind of demonstration, and they're basically saying, "Oh, we feel so sorry for you in Australia. You're like in jail because you've been in lockdown for so long." But then you look on the TV news, and like everyone at Sydney is at Bondi Beach having a swim. I mean, it's not, it's kind of, it's not real the Melbourne style lockdown. It's, it's kind of like just, uh, oh, we'll just you know go to the beach, have a bit of fun. Uh, so it is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but um, yeah. Their level four is different, right? Like you guys have got different levels to like the rest of us. Like I think ours that's is in New South Wales. I'm not sure we even have that in Queensland. I don't know what you have in Queensland, but we do, I don't know. They have all these weird levels and, yeah, it's level whatever. You go to the beach, have a bit of fun. It's all good. <laughs> don't worry too much. Um, but Matthew Joseph, how many how many levels of, of, of crazy have you got down there in your lockdowns? Uh, we don't really have levels, but we do get like a – almost like a daily briefing about what the sort of situation is. So um, I couldn't tell you what, if we were at a level right now, but you know, it's, we're locked down. It's, we've been, uh, yeah, 5k radius. And um, it's been like that for, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a month or maybe a bit longer. I, I don't know. I'm losing track of time. Um, it's very easy to do in these situations, isn't it? Yeah. So what was the question? I don't know. How has it affected your photography? Or did, or oh, did your, yeah. Look, no change. No change at all, I'm, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely losing my mind. Um, I'm, I'm sick of the 5K radius. I live in a somewhat sort of suburban, suburban-y area, so there's not a lot that I want to take photos of around here. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of hanging out to go into the CBD, yeah. you know, hopefully do some shooting in the CBD or, you know, go away somewhere for a weekend that's further than 5Ks away. That'd be nice. Nice. Because um, you went, before the latest lockdown, you went a trip somewhere in regional Victoria, didn't you? Yeah, we we, we had a trip to uh, Phillip Island and nice. we were there one we left a day before the outbreak uh, started down there. And then we are at Mornington Peninsula for a few days and then up to uh, Bendigo where I was going to do a whole lot of um, – Gold panning. Street photography oh. at the Sheep and Wool Show. Nice. Because um, there's always lots of interesting characters at that thing. And yeah. um, the first night we were there, they called lockdown for the next day. So that ended – into the shed. that mm. yeah i thought you were going to say you, 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 were, pan, you were going to pan for gold at bendigo no oh, okay no. 
into well-known gold gold mining place, Bendigo, Bendigo and Ballarat. Um, you could have made a sheep a sheep joke. Yeah, I could have, but you're you know you do have some New Zealand roots there, so I uh, I didn't want to <laughs> go for the low hanging fruit, you know. Uh, <laughs> how much longer is uh, how much longer are you guys going to have a lockdowns for? Do you know? Uh, we don't have an ending. It, they'll, they'll tell us. They'll tell us when it's over. Wow. Yeah. You, know, you get the briefings though, right? Do they not say in the briefing, okay, you're sort oh, of, you know, locked down? I think another. it's best. I think it's best to not, you know, create an expectation yeah. for that sort of thing. I'll be told what to do when matter. the day you're, comes. You're used, you're used to it now, right? So what's, you know, it's, it's I don't know if you ever get used to it. I don't know if you get used to it. It's just like, I don't want to leave the house <laughs> you know like i don't normally you know like i'm a i'm a i'm a inside cat but the fact that i'm being told i can't go outside yeah. for any any reason other than going to the doctor going to the supermarket or pharmacy or going to work i mean going to work is kind of like my salvation i live slightly outside of my 5k radius and i get to travel an extra 2ks and it's like going on holiday <laughs> yeah. yeah going, going into the office twice a week. Well, we've been very lucky here in Queensland. We've only had, I think, the last, I don't know, two months, we've had maybe two lockdowns. One was for about a week and one was three days. But the thing is, like, uh, and I'm not, I'm not complaining because there's a lot of people who are doing it worse than us, people in Sydney and Melbourne, but you can never really plan to do anything, right? You can never book tickets for anything or book a night away because you think, well, what's the point? Because if there's a lockdown, we're going to lose our money. Um, so it's kind of like we just do things on the spur of the moment. And, and like last weekend, the weekend just gone. Uh, we went out and then we there was there was a hint of oh, we might get a lockdown we might get a lockdown so we're like quick let's go out let's go out let's do something well what should we do i don't know anything let's just go out and do something because we might not be able to go out again so it's just it's this crazy kind of existence really if, even if you're not in a lockdown where you yeah you don't really bother playing anything it's just it's weird because i love travel and i like going different places I feel like I'm going to the same places all the time to photograph the same things and so i can go a bit more than five kilometers obviously but I just feel like I'm I'm photographing the same locations over and over again. So I, f- I feel like I need to to branch out more and find some new places. Um, well, you to, did that before lockdown, anyway. What's that? Take take photos of the same things. You go to that well, bay true. nearby, the boats. The bo- <laughs> no, I've ditched the boats. I got I got the sick pink, of the boats. The, the pink, pink flowers. Trees. Uh, yeah, the, the near the flowers. airport, uh, Wynnum. Uh, I've got I've got my haunts that I like to go to, but they're getting all a bit a bit old and a bit tired now. You're listening to Matt, 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 Cameras. <laughs> it's about as good as we're going to get. Going on to the next topic, um, bulk loading. Okay, I, I'm going to this blind gentleman. I don't know if you guys have done this or not. Bulk loading, have you done it? Is it worth it or not? Tell me all about it. Matt Jones. <laughs> Uh, I do have uh, two bulk loaders, but the only reason I use them is for film that is kind of hard to get, not in a bulk load. So for specialty film like Kodak 2468 or 2238, that's what I keep in my bulk loaders. I don't really bother with, um, you know, like HP5 or whatever. I don't really shoot enough of those films perhaps to warrant it or a more 120 anyway so yeah i'm only for specialty films for me see my, my sort of point of view uh was 
like, why would you bother? What a waste of time because just go buy a cassette of film. And then I, I did listen to the classic uh, camera revival. They had an episode recently about bulk loading. And then I also had an email through, um, from JM Golding. Of course he runs one, two, seven day. And they've actually put out, I think they're, I think Ilford, I think it's Ilford. I think it is. They're selling a, a bulk. They're proposing to sell a bulk roll of film for one, two, seven cameras, but they'll only produce it if they get enough orders. So until then, until I listen to the CCR, until I got that email from James Golding about this kind of specialty film that you know no one else does, I was I, I was kind of thinking, what's the point? You buy an H, just buy HP five in a box. Like, why do you have to buy it in a bulk roll? What, how much are you actually saving when you do all the bloody work, right? But then, yeah, I, then I have been thinking about that that specialty sort of side of it a bit more. So my my view on it has has calmed a bit. What about you, Matt Evans? Bulk rolling's my jam. Oh, really? Tell yeah, us more. Yeah, um- so well, so developing stuff I do. I only the color goes to the lab because I can't yep. be asked with it. It's it's a lot of faffing about black black and white. I'll do myself. So for me, black and white bulk roll it. It gives me the flexibility I need. Sometimes I'll go out. I'll take months to shoot thirty six frames in a standard camera if I'm taking pictures of the kids or if I'm going to you know out and I'm sort of shooting some street and stuff. So yep. bulk rolling, I can I can put twelve in there. Yeah, yeah. And I shoot it a bit like my Holger then where I'm sort of like I'm where I'm gonna go do twelve shots and this is this is what I want to achieve. And these are like the smaller um you get my hit rate goes up because I'm mm-hmm. more focused on what I'm gonna shoot. And so for me I tend to do twenty fours. Um, I found that sort of the sweet spot, 20 to 24 frames. Uh, and at the moment, my bulk roll, I've got two bulk rollers. One is, one's got HP5 in it. Um, until this year, it was F, it was uh, Pan F. Um, so it was pretty good in summer. I could put it in a standard SLR or something and get nice, um, the nice bokeh and get some nice portraits with it. But it also lends itself well to the pinholes. So you're not getting super long exposure times, but you're getting, you know, you're getting into the minute range as opposed to three seconds or whatever in the height of summer here. So yeah. that's pretty good. But it's not flexible for anything else. So pushing and pulling, you can't do as much with the HP5. It's just got the latitude. So if I, yeah. I haven't pulled it ever really, but, um, but being able to push it to 1,600, 3,200 is an attractive prospect for me. So that, and then my other roller has surprise surprise black and white in it as well mm-hmm. but it's uh, a cine black and white it's a, a fuji uh rds black and white it's a 10 iso speed mm-hmm. black and white um so that a bit like matt i keep it sort of like the specialty film so that or uh some old kodak cine cine film that i've got some uh some of the 500 um about 500 or would be the 800 I'm trying to think um yeah some kodak some kodak cine stocks that i've got some short ends of that some a friend donated to me you know so i've got some of that lying around so uh the, i'll have that in there but that's in a tin at the moment so it's got it's got some black and white in it but yeah that's how i do it but i it, it just it's cheaper for me as well go yeah. buy a 30 foot reel and chuck it in and um yeah. So where do you get it in New Zealand? Do you have to import it from the States or somewhere? Or I get it from the very good guys at Splendid. That's uh, splendid.nz. Hit yep. those guys up. They ship to Australia. You nice. know, just uh, put the fight out there against Walkins. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, those guys are great. If I need anything, they can get, get most of it. So through their reps and they're responsive. So, yeah, they've hooked me up every time. Awesome. 
Great stuff. Matthew Joseph, are you a bulk loader? I'm not a bulk loader. I just, I don't trust myself to do it right. Um, I And I was told once, I don't know if it's true or not, that uh, cameras with electric wind-on, like motorized wind-on, will break uh, the tape if it's not done right and you can wreck your film that way. But yeah, I don't do it just because I don't want to create another thing that could create uh, more issues down the track. So I don't do it. That's fair enough. I'm, I'm a bit like you. I, I don't do it because in a way I, f- I figure like, well, you know, I don't, sh- I don't shoot a lot of black and white and there's not many color ro- roles that are done in a, in, a, in a bulk reel. Right. So, but the other thing is even if there was color film in a massive hundred foot reel, I, I wouldn't trust myself. I'm clumsy. I, I completely, I just open it up to the light or something stupid like that and ruin all, ruin it all. So um, I'm, I guess I'm kind of uh, uh, a, a lazy like that as well. I'm not lazy, but well, I'm not calling you lazy, but I'm lazy. Uh, so I'm lazy. <laughs> That's all right then. You can call yourself lazy. So there you go. We've got two two mats for the bulk loading and two mats against the bulk loading. On to the next uh, topic. We've got rebranded films. Now, of course, here I'm talking about films like Agent Shadow was a recent uh, Kickstarter from Cosmo, and there's other ones out there as well. You know, I mean, rebranded films have been around, um, you know, for decades. Probably the, one of the most famous types of rebranded film was the old Chemist film. You know, whether it's Boots the Chemist or Sol Patton in here in Australia, you'd, you'd go put your prints in or you go put your film in at the chemist and they give you a free brand of, of chemist, uh, you know, or, or drugstore film. Um, so it, this has been around for years and years and years, people rebranding films and giving them their own brand and label. Um, but, but what do you guys think about them? You know, should film manufacturers be more transparent about the stocks they're selling or you don't really care? Matt Jones. For me, the rebranded stuff is kind of handy because I don't know how it works in Oz, but the the sort of stock levels in Thailand fluctuate throughout the year. So maybe you can get like a Kodak colour at this time of the year and then later on you can't, but they've got some Lomo colour in and it's probably the same film. The Cosmo photo um, you can get, but then you can't. You get Fomapan and sort of switches. So... It is kind of handy to have more people, more distribution chains, I think, yep. is what helps. And it sort of means you can – we're not as reliant on Kodak, really. Kodak's the big problem, actually. Fuji is easy to get, and lots of specialty films are easy to get, but Kodak's not as easy to get in Thailand. So having people reuse it and rebrand it, I think, is helpful for that reason, just to penetrate different markets. Yep. And I have heard that about Cosmo before. People, I've heard people in Canada and in the States say that they can't get FOMA in their local store because, I don't know, the the, the supply, you know, the, the, the store needs to order a certain amount or something and they don't go over that threshold, but they are able to get Cosmo in. Uh, so I have heard people say that about Cosmo. Uh, Matt Evans, what's your take? Nah, fucking. <laughs> You're not a big fan of the rebranded films? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, uh, I don't see the... Uh, it's 50 50 part of me is like i don't see the point yeah um a lot of the time you're paying more for a fancy label yep you know and it's sort of like well i could just go like, i mean that's not for every film but you know there are films out there where you're like okay i know that that film's exactly yeah. the same and that is three dollars cheaper yeah so yeah i'm paying but on the other side of the coin they're sort of helping prop up the 
film and not the film industry, but you know, it's good having other people, other players in the market, I think. So uh, they make great gifts. I'm not massively into it, but yeah. like I've said this before, I don't shoot a lot of specialty films. Sure. And I sort of, sometimes I see them, they sort of fit into that category for me. Like if I'm going to shoot color, I know what I'm going to shoot. Yeah. If I'm going to shoot black and white, I know what I'm going to shoot. I'm not sort of drifting over into these other sort of areas. Having said that, you know, I have shot some of them and been happy with them because it's just rebranded other films. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think that's the, that's, I mean, I have read a lot of uh, comments in, uh, in social media about this and some people get sort of angry about the, you know, Oh, why can't you just tell us what the film is? But I mean, again, I don't, I think the only rebranded, I'm trying to break my brains here, but I think the only rebranded film I buy is from Lomo. So, you know, Lomography color film, mostly the 800, which is is said to be this is Kodak 800, they say. Um, So that's obviously clearly rebranded. However, the thing is there is, is Kodak don't sell 800 speed film, color speed film by itself. You have to buy disposable. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a good in a way, the Lomo. I don't tend to buy Lomo 100 or 200 because it's a, it's a similar kind of price to Kodak. I just buy Kodak. And I'm trying to think what else. I don't really shoot a lot of black and white film. Um, I did back the Agent Shadow Kickstarter just because I thought, oh, well, what the hell? Why not? Because uh, I like the look of the box. I didn't actually back it to just necessarily shoot the film. I'll probably give some of the, the Agent Shadow film away on this podcast. Uh, Matthew Joseph, what's your take? Fuck him. can you can you elaborate so no i don't use it i yeah i I stick to the big the big brands the reliable big companies kodak fuji i i actually do quite like the lamography 800 film that's that's it's way better than kodak's 800 i don't know if that's where it comes from or not but it's yeah i, I like the lomography 800 do you think it's any different because i think i think the boxes are lomo 800 i think they say made in the usa which would would sort of tip it to the scales of being made by kodak um i'm not sure it it's better than any kodak amateur it, film i've ever used it always looks a bit I don't know what the right word is here, but it always looks like a bit of a Lomo 800. It's got a bit of a, almost like a green sort of tinge to it. Maybe it's, it's less golden, I think, but I don't know if that's just, um, I don't know, but I fix it in yeah. post. Hey, yeah, you can fix it in post if you want. That's right. Um, so there you go. Again, we've got, um, you know, I, I don't know what the score is there for rebranded films is a divergence of opinions there, which is, which is, uh, interesting. Always, always good to have good debate. Uh, and which leads us on to our, our next, uh, little topic here, rising film prices, the new normal. Uh, so, so talking about Lomo 800, I remember this is only less than two years ago. I could stroll into, uh, a camera store here in Brisbane and I could pick up, uh, three rolls of Lomo 800. 135 mil, 36 exposures for about 30 Australian dollars on special. Uh, and if it was full price, it was 35 Australian dollars, which is 35 Australian dollars on full price would be, I don't know, 26 US dollars for, for three rolls. Uh, now, that the price of Lomo 800 has almost doubled in 18 months, or within 12 months, it almost doubled. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, um, uh, prices of Kodak Gold and all these other stocks go up and up and up. Do you think this is the new normal, Matt? Jones. Mm. I guess it is, but it doesn't, for me, it doesn't matter because when I stopped work, I knew that I was retiring and I I bought enough film 
to fill my fridges and freezers and last me until I died. <laughs> and so how, you, how many are we talking about here? Well, you might say that's a bit of a moz because, you know, I might get to that last roll and then drop dead, you know? Yeah. I'm <laughs> Don't shoot the last roll, whatever you do. <laughs> I can stretch it out. Uh, so I haven't bought film in ages and it was it was a really good time to buy when I did because it was all really cheap. I've even got bricks and bricks and bricks of Acros in the in the wow. fridge that I'll probably never run out of too. So how, um, how many rolls do you think you got? I did have a database and then I gave up. I don't know, it's hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. But I'm not a, you know, I don't shoot a roll a day or anything, you know, so it doesn't take that much to last long. Everything's going up in price though, isn't it? Houses are going up in price, you know, inflation, they're printing money like it's going out of fashion. No wonder things cost more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel a bit that way as well. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the price of film cameras has gone up astronomically in the last few years. The price of housing here in Australia has gone keeps going crazy. I, I think it is the new normal. I think stuff just keeps going up. Um, what do you think, Matt Evans? Sadly, I think I agree with you, yeah. I mean, everything is – yeah, the cameras are going up. Film, film prices, it sucks, right? Like – you want to go and buy a roll of let's go say you want to go and buy a roll of portra and everyone loves portra don't they but shit man that's so exp- i can't justify the cost of that and then the developing on top you know which would be 12 to 15 dollars new zealand you know just to just to get that done so the only positive i can see in it is it sort of forces your hand to look elsewhere. So you might go, oh, well, you know, Port 400 is a real great, great start, but go and shoot Pro Image 100 mm. and shoot that and push it a stop and then put them side by side with Port 400 and tell me you can see a difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a fine grain film. They, they, they look great. For the right, it needs full sun. You get the right full sun, you're going to get nice popping colors, yep. great, great saturation. But so, I, I mean, so on the one side, I'm sort of like, well, yeah, it sucks that. Kodak, Fuji, I mean, everybody's putting their prices up, but I shoot a lot of black and white, so I'm still Ilford faithful. So, um, uh, you know, they're they're sort of always last to that, last to the table almost to to put their prices up. But, yeah, I don't know, man. What what can we do? (laughs) Everything's going up. We can't really do anything about it. Uh, Bitcoin. Well, actually, (laughs) what I could do is go and raid Matt Jones's um, stash (laughs) Find his cache of uh, Acros, and uh, you'll have to leave a treasure map for that if you are gonna gonna keel over anytime soon, Matt. And then we can all come over and be like um, the Goonies trying to track down your film stash. When I get hit by a bus. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) I was thinking it might be a cow or something in one of those rice fields that you're riding around. Because I've seen pictures of you on that bike with a ladder climbing up yes. a ladder with a pinhole camera and I with, think man this does not look safe <laughs> with flip flops on <laughs> oh no the safety boots they're your, uh, they're your safety boots for the hot climate I nearly did lose a toe one time on the bike but I'm trying to be careful it's impressive how you use it as a a, a platform to elevate the <laughs> camera They've got these little trucks here. They're called putt-putts, and they're homemade trucks. They're just like welded steel frame, and they put a water pump engine on the front, and they manage to rig up some rack and pinion steering and all that. Um, and so it just kind of looks like a wooden horse and cart, but it's pulled along by a water truck motor. I, I would like one of them because what an awesome 
platform that'd make for the back, park it in the rice fields, and you could do really long exposures on this this thing. I think you'd have to get a solid tripod, or you'd be all right with a standard one. No, just put it because it's like a cart, and you just put you just stand on the back of the cart. It's made of wooden steel. Oh, so it's big enough. Oh, sorry, so it's big enough. Yeah. Stand all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they carry hay around in them. Oh, man. Or, it's homemade. You can make your own. Yeah, and some of them are covered, like so they have a big box on the back. So then I've thought, well, just turn that into a pinhole camera and just put a hole in the side of it and just put paper on one wall and just. Well, that's the that thing, way. right? We're talking about the cost of film going up. Um, maybe this is what will just force me to shoot paper. I mean, I'm yeah. shooting a lot of pinholes with paper anyway, and you get – what do you get in the pack these days? What, 20, 20 sheets in a pack or something like that, right? Yeah, I've got a lot of paper stacked away too. I don't know if it's – has paper gone up or not? Uh, well, I don't know. Matt Murray will know. I'm screwed Pinhole if we cameras. do that. I don't know if we had to shoot paper. Do you know if the price has gone up? No, no idea. The good thing with the paper is people are always selling it. Like every time I've been to an estate sale or there's been someone listing something or someone's come to me and gone, oh, my mate's dad's chucking a load of camera stuff out. Do you want anything? There's always paper in there. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. mostly expired, but um, but I have no problems with the expired stuff. It's been it's it, still been it, fine. It, my stuff, because, I mean, it's really hot here in my dark room. It is air-conditioned, but I only turn it on when I'm using it. So my paper does go off a little bit, but it only goes off at the edges. So if you're printing, like, a full border-to-border print, you'll get funny stuff at the edges. But I never do. I'm always cropping inside the paper like a mat, and yeah. so it's fine because it just it, <laughs> when it goes off, it just stays white anyway. So that, that's another, the only thing I've found. Another mat. Yeah, I was going to say, Matt Joseph, before when you were talking about getting the sweats on your on your film, you were saying it was in your dark bag. What kind of dark yeah. bag have you got? Uh, I've got a dark. I've got a tent that I paid way too much money for. It's Is like it um, same sort of material up. as a tent, then, like that sort of nylon. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, thing. it's the same as Jet. a dark bag material, but it's got like a collapsible frame inside it see the thing i've got i don't my dark bag mine is a uh, mine's cotton it's quite a heavy cotton uh. um, so it doesn't have that material and i've never had uh i mean i don't live anywhere near as warm as you but i i haven't had any times of condensation here yeah my hands have got a bit clammy sometimes but the last time i was trying to struggle to get that 120 on the reel and i spent or i spent 45 minutes trying to get it on the reel before i gave up there was <sighs> My, I didn't have any issues, and I think probably because it's maybe got the breathability. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't glands. know if that's something. Glands, glands. Yeah. yeah, my hands, the glands in like my hands, sweat glands. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, otherwise, you'll have to put a, a big pot of um, damp damp aid or something in your tent when you're changing changing your films. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never. I mean, I. I've had the film sweats a couple of times, but not like this. Like, it was raining inside my dark tent. God. It was (laughs) gross. If you would like to support this podcast, why not buy our dad a coffee? Visit coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Matt Loves Cameras. And buy him a coffee for just $3. 
were we were talking about the price of um, film, film going up. Yes. Yeah, so, what's your take, uh, MJ? Uh, in in two thousand and eighteen, I stopped working in photo labs, um, and therefore the price of film went up quite a bit for me then. <laughs> did you With, have the um, old? Did, did you do the old five finger discount? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, I'm not going to confirm or deny any of that going on. Um, but uh, early, early days, like a long time ago when Agfa still existed, they used to just give me film to shoot wow. because, you know, they were poorly managed and that's why they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and and I, quite often I would get film from customers who didn't want to shoot film anymore because they'd bought a digital camera. That that's, yeah. was a long time ago. And um, uh, I, I can't think of his name right now, but a professional photographer that I knew uh, in Christchurch, he passed away and his wife brought all of his film to me. He used to like shooting um, uh, 120, tungsten-based 120 wow. film. And uh, she gave me all of his film from the fridge and it was just dozens of boxes of Kodak tungsten 120 film, and I gave I gave everyone I knew a box because that's what he would have wanted. God, yeah. I wish I could think of his name. Um, and um, obviously, it's you know, a lot people, to you. Well, yeah. it was a long time ago. It was yeah, a long sure. time ago. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I gave that film away, and it was quite funny because I had so much of it, and I gave so much of it away that. This obscure film that you couldn't really buy in the shop would I would see people shooting with it that I knew were like friends of friends, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's continued it's to from. be passed on. Yeah, yeah. Christchurch is not a not a big city. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the price of film, it, it's something that we just have to deal with. I think um, you know you can do bulk loading and save money, as we were talking about earlier. If you can be bothered. Um, if you can be bothered, um, or you know, there are cheaper there are cheaper films, but I don't recommend them. Like Fomapan, like that stuff's just shit. What? Yeah, I don't like it. it never, it's never. I haven't been able to make it work. What? What? Which one? The four hundred. Oh yeah, the dog shit. Get the one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> Woof. Um, <laughs> So yeah, price of film, suck it up or shoot digital. Yeah, I think that's fair or enough. Paper. Or paper, if you can be bothered. I, I just, I'll have to give up myself. Um, okay, so it probably, um, it probably depends what you're shooting it in, right? I was going to say, sorry, with the foamer pan, it probably depends what you're using. You know, a lot of the time I'll shoot the foamer pan in a holder, so who cares what the image quality is like? But if you're using a Hasselblad or a, a Leica or something, you probably want to get a bit more, <laughs> a bit more of the image quality. So. You know, I'm, I'm oh, happy I think it was ghosting a- or, you know, or imperfections that appear in there because it's all part of what I'm shooting. But, um, yeah. For me, it was a developer issue. The, the, the Cine Steel developer did not want to develop it. Is that all you use? Yeah, until, yes. Mm. Until the very near future, yes, that's all I use. <laughs> I'm, I'm lazy. I've only, I've only used one developer. Ever. And what's that? It's HC one ten. ID eleven. Oh, okay. Um, Ilford 
Um, and it's yeah. and I, I swear I am so loose with stuff, timings and you know temperatures. And I have had a problem once I think where I was like, oh, that film didn't come out very well. And I was like, yeah, I think you really would pissing around too much with the temperature um but other than that or, or it's been uh oh, i've done i've done i've done 120 with enough chemical for 35 mil I've done that before when you're on autopilot you're just putting Half in frames yeah oh, man that's that was pictures of my kids um it's real nice beautiful light uh, walk through the woods and you're like, oh, there's some great portraits on here, and lines all the way through their faces. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's the benefit. And do you know what the other thing was? That was normally, you know, you, I mean, doing the inversion technique. That was the one I was like, oh, I might let this do a semi stand, and I won't tip it as often. And it's the <laughs> one roll that I only ever did that with. And I'm like, so after that, I was like, you've got to stop fucking about. You've just got to just stick to. There's a reason. There's a formula to stick to that. Follow it. Put a podcast on, and just you know, you'll be golden. So. Matt Jones is listening, and Matt Matt has probably tried dozens. I'm going to guess types of developers. Is that true? Yeah, I got dozens. I make well. Do I make? I make. (laughs) I'm just thinking. Do I? I don't make every component of it, but I make a lot of components of it. Yeah, uh, tianol. It's like caffeinol, but it smells great. Like caffeinol smells horrible. Tianol smells like you want to drink it. Mm. And have you ever tried it? It's soapy. That's a yes. <laughs> and what's your what's your go-to developer then? Um, definitely, uh, what's it called? It's mental blank, getting old. That Kodak, the new co- the newest Kodak one. Oh. HC one ten, is it that? No, no, no. The real the, the the new one. It's why can't I remember it? The mo- the most modern developer there is. D seventy six. Extol, because um, you can do 75 rolls from one bag of Extol powder yeah. if you use the Kodak time extension method, which a lot of people don't use, um, and you keep it stock. So you just keep using and using and using. And um, it is awesome for Fomapan, and it just brings out – it's got a lot more dynamic range than than most developers. Then I guess you'd expect that because it's it is their modern most modern developer. The one. Do you just um, when you're doing it? Do you just dip into it? Is it powder that you get, and then you mix yeah. mix it? Are you using? Are you weighing it out? So each do you make like a oh. liter? And then use okay. that, and then when that's done, make another liter. Or because so, all I've ever done is made five liters, and I have a yeah. fucking huge yeah, jug so, of five liters. When I first started experimenting, I was breaking it down into little powdered film canisters and doing it that way. But then people started saying, oh, you know, the granules are different sizes and you're not mixing it right. And I'd never had a problem and it was laborious. So I stopped doing that. And then I just did what you're doing and I just made the five litres and put it into five separate one litre, you know, Pepsi bottles and then just use one of them at a time. And then you get 15 rolls out of each Pepsi bottle. Yeah. yeah, just using the time extension method, which is after five you extend by ten percent, and after 10 percent, and then fifteen you give up, 
I don't even. That's the thing. I don't even. Mine just goes. I just use it one shot. Well, I'll I'll use one to three my dilution usually, and then um, I chuck it. Like I'm too lazy to to keep it. And but what I found is that five liters, the last batch of five liters I got, got down to that last little bit, and it was like tea, you know. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, it's time to buy some more. <laughs> I, I remember getting it out, going, is it meant to be this brown? You know, trying to remember what my developer looked like, and I was like, nah, this is this isn't right. So. Well, I, that, I, don't, I don't shoot enough. I think that's my problem. So I think I should. The, the other thing in just well, the stock the stock solution because you can get seventy five rolls is the most economical. But the other thing is all because I'm experimenting with so many different weirdo films and different ISOs and stuff. If I always use that stock and then all my times are that, then it makes it easier for when I go back and say, oh, how did I develop that? Oh, yeah, I used this and it was stock. So. Yeah, that's that's sort of how we do it. Right. So moving moving along, guys, we're talking about developing. We're going to talk about uh, you know digitizing film now. Of course, um, a lot of people like to include sprocket holes and film rebates and dust and scratches on their images when they're posted online. And I, I don't mind a mere sprocket. I, I love a good sprocket. I don't mind the film rebate, so you can see you know what kind of film it is. That's all cool to me. But dust, I got to draw the line somewhere. And dust and scratches to me is a no-no. I just I see them and it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Uh, Matt Jones, what do you think about all that kind of stuff? Sprocket holes, film rebates, dust and scratches. Love them. Just leave them. It's an analog process. The reason people want to look at analog photography is that either it reminds them of when they were young or they're young people and they think it's cool. So I don't get rid of either. Even on my silver gelatin prints, I I have dust and marks and stuff all over them. I've I've been experimenting because I'm learning uh, 3D animation and I've been using some of my silver gelatin prints, scan them, and then use the surfaces of them to put them on the animations and then animate the, the, the prints. And when I do that, I notice, oh, yeah, a little scratch there, a little bit of hair there. Yeah. And it's in the moving, like, print, which is yeah. kind of cool as well. And when you're talking 3D animation, you're talking a world of shiny metal surfaces, everything beautiful. So this is something completely different. This is a, a rustic analog feel to it. And mm. I, I don't know. I, th- I think that's the whole benefit of analog. I think that's why we're doing it. So I don't, I don't want to get rid of it at all. Matt Evans, what do you think? Um, yeah, man, I, I'm. I quite like borders. I like a sprocket. Love a sprocket. Um, keep all that in there. Uh, a bit like you in some respects. It depends on the photo. Yep. If I'm taking something and it has a certain look or a certain feel, I might be more inclined to leave some of the some of the dust in there or or a hair or definitely a scratch because I am a lazy lazy scanner. So there's usually some scratch. And some of the cameras I got. I used to have one that was a, uh, a nightmare. You know, you'd run, run a reel through and you get any anything in there and it's mm. scratch city. But I don't mind it. I oh, I'll have I have touched up photos, you know, because you just, you know, sometimes it, it really does need it. Yeah. But um, with black and white and you're, going, and you're going for that sort of feel of, yep. uh, you know, like a, a sort of vibe or like an ethereal type feel or something. And pinholes as well, like, all my pinholes or my, my solar cam ones, it all stays in. It's nature did it, so that stays on there. Yeah. But 
Yeah. yeah. See, I'm a, I, I like a good light leak. I uh, like a good sprocket. Um, you know, with Polaroid film, you do get the pacification failure with those blue streaks, or you, where you get issues with the Polaroid film. And I, I don't really mind them, but I, yeah, I. To me, I don't know. I just look at a, a scan with dust and scratch. Like if it's there's too much dust and too much scratches, I just kind of think oh, it kind of it, it kind of freaks me out a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I can sort of see the aesthetic, uh, the, the the appeal on, on with some aesthetic uh, aesthetics for, for for using the dust and scratches. What about you, Matthew Joseph? I can't imagine there's too many dust or scratches on your X-Pan shots. Uh, no. Look, I used to. I used, I mean, I used to really spend way too much time fixing my images, and uh, yeah, I don't anymore. It, unless there's something like really super obvious and it's quite distracting, I'm probably going to leave the dust and scratches in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like a full frame, you know, like the I like to be able to see the full edge yeah. of the frame, um, just because I think it makes people honest photographers. I mean, not that cropping's a bad thing, but I don't particularly – well, I'm, I'm on the fence about cropping. I do – if I've got a horizon or some leading lines that need to be straight, then I am going to crop and straighten the – you know, rotate the image. But I'll, I try to be as honest as I can and keep the, the film edge in. Sprocket holes – I'm not fussed about. It's just, you know, don't, don't, it's a crutch. Don't rely on your sprocket holes to make a good image. Um, and, you know, sprocktastic Matthew Joseph? Of course not. Yeah, I, <laughs> I tried. Like, I, I tried, and I had people who thought they had sprocket rockets. So I want to participate in the community, but I didn't end up getting a, camera that could that had sprocket holes so that was that's, good that's actually um, a very good sorry yeah not finished sorry oh, i'm finished okay good <laughs> uh so that's a very good segue <laughs> because uh you know we just finished up the the loma chrome purple uh challenge uh which of course matt evans took place in took part in and um i'm thinking about running the next one um on a much shorter time frame because the last one went for what seemed like forever went for about six months so i'm, I'm thinking about running september october november a very quick little challenge and i'm thinking about rerunning um fantastic now you gentlemen all three of you gentlemen took part in fantastic would you you know if, if i run fantastic again will you three be taking part 100%, yeah, I'll, 100%. I'll take part excellent okay that's good that's good so there you go i got uh, i got three entries up my sleeve at least i actually had an email for, oh here we go we've got um the pix panorama matt jones is showing off his ansco pix panorama beautiful i've got one on the shelf up there behind me uh, i've got so much junk in my office if i try and you know, put my hand on it, i'll probably trip over all the junk behind me but um very 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 good I'm glad to hear that and um, I did have a, an email out. Uh, I did have an email from Ken Bertram, and Ken actually said that he's uh, he's very keen for me to run that challenge again. He lives in the states, of course, and he said that he'll actually give if I do run it again, he'll give one of his cameras away to some lucky person in the states. 
So I'm just editing this podcast episode now. I'm speaking to you from the future. And of course, Pantastic is definitely on. So head along to mattlovescameras.com for all the details. And of course, a reminder uh, to the, the show's intro today, Ken is giving away seven focus-free plastic panorama cameras, seven. So re-listen to that intro if you want more details. But Pantastic is definitely on. So get along to mattlovescameras.com uh, for all the deets. And I'll, I'll go back in time and bring you the rest of the episode. Here we go. Uh, so there you go, Ken. The, no, not the X-Pan. I don't think Ken's got an X-Pan to give away. No. Um, now, speaking of X-Pans, I actually saw one of the Australian Facebook groups. Uh, there's a, a lady. She's quite an amazing photographer. I can't remember her name. I think her name's Claire. And she was selling her X-Pan. She's done all these amazing photography and remote communities and stuff. And she was selling her X-Pan 2 for $12,000 Australian dollars. Uh, it did look to be in very good, Nick. It has got all the, the center filter and all three lenses and all that. But uh, twelve thousand Australian dollars, which is I don't know what, maybe nine thousand US. Not uh, not exactly a bargain basement camera, but it, it did look like it was it was brand new. Well, most um, people aren't going on holidays at the moment, so you know. You can invest in an expand too. How's your expand going, Matthew? Is it is still going strong? Mm, it's in the camera bag. It's in the camera bag. Has it got a strap on works. the camera yet, or? No, there's no strap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking about cameras and amazing wonderful fantastic cameras what is the one camera that you're sort of you've been maybe dreaming of lately that you've been thinking of you've been you maybe you've been hovering over the ebay buy button but you haven't done it is there, is there a camera that exists is there one thing that you really want to to look at and we're, got, we're going to reverse the order now just to disagree with you guys we're going to go matthew joseph first uh, there's always things on my eBay watch list. Um, I'm quite keen to get my hands on one of those robotic robot cameras with the three lenses. Yeah. I'm keen to, keen to reviewed, give one of them a try. Which was reviewed on a previous uh, episode of Matt Loves Cameras? Yeah, apparently. Um, I don't listen to us. I don't know. You should be listening. We gave you all the tips somewhere to find them dirt cheap, and that's obviously why you haven't got one yet. No, no. I think there were. I think we were both. I think you might have sniped one on eBay. I was looking at a few months ago. I don't know. That wasn't yeah. me. Cause I remember you messaged me and said, um, "Did I buy a Robot Three Cam on eBay?" And I don't think I did. I actually picked one oh, up. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll sell you one of mine. I, I, I did pick one up. In a job lot of cameras, this lady was selling these 10 cameras, and unfortunately, most of them were complete junk. Um, but uh, it did have a robot in there as well, Robot 3. And um, yeah, is so the robot. like one of those wiggle cameras? Is that what it is? Three lenses? reviewed on, yeah, episode, I don't know what episode of Matt Loves Cameras, but there you go. It's the Robot 3. Um, now, I have, oh. I think I have got three of these. Um, now, one of them I just recently sent to Charlie Tom in, in England, well, in, in Sweden, actually. And uh, Charlie is shooting with this, shot with this in Sweden uh, on his summer holidays. And I'm, after Charlie's finished with it, I'm, I'm getting people, I'm getting him to send it on to someone, someone else over there in Europe to shoot with. So I'm planning on doing some kind of project probably in about five years uh, with when I get enough people of, of, of the, uh, the, the traveling robot camera, if it, if it's, uh, you know, it gets to its destination. Uh, so there you go, the Robot 3 camera. Uh, Matt Evans, what's, what's, your, what's on your wish list? Oh, man, I am jonesing after a, one of the Dora Goodman's own cameras at the moment. Ooh, yeah. Um, I keep looking at it and I keep going, oh. Um, 
you know, one of the things that's kind of put me off for a while has always been, uh, you know, you 3D print it, but it's it's been getting the lens and getting the the film back. You know, yeah. it's not easy in this country to to come across them. So then you're relying on eBay and yeah. it's sort of um, price prohibitive in that aspect. But they now make full completes. Yep. And they sell them complete. So, I mean, it's pricey. Um, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough to come across one, a press lens and maybe a back somewhere, you know, through there or, or for me, trade me, then it might be cheaper. But uh, I'm still, yeah, maybe next year will be yep. my 40th next year. So maybe I'll All be right. able to justify getting myself something. Um, but I, I'm going to have to get one of the skewers, but I'm going to get their 120 pinhole skewer. And, and, but I might get that printed because that, I haven't got a 120 pinhole. Um, and I'd quite like to do that. But yeah, the, the Doragon and Zone, oh, it's. How much, uh, it's how much are you looking at for that one of those? Oh, complete or. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think I think the kit is maybe 150. I think if you want to buy, buy it from them and they'll send you the parts and you get to build it yourself. So it's a bit yep. like Lego, you know, make it. But I think the completes are going for about 1500. Okay. Um, US. So you're getting up there. Yeah. Of course, that uh, friend of the show, Jess Hobbs, actually uh, does some work for Dora Goodman. She, she does a lot of writing and reviews and stuff. I think she just had a, a review published recently about this about the system. Uh, I, I must admit, I know nothing about it other than knowing that Jess uh, does a bit of work for them. So, uh, yeah, so certainly if you know if you're, anyone's interested in, in checking that out, definitely Google that up. And I'm sure you'll find an, an article from Jess about that amazing system. Uh, Matt Jones, what are you jonesing after? Not really much of a camera joneser, but there is. I, I, I watched this YouTube channel, uh, Will Gudgeon, and he's a pinhole guy. And he yep. does all kind of crazy, like on his kayak and skateboard and all these cool things. And um, he's got, I don't know if it's a reality so subtle or the other one, but it's a 4 by 5 pinhole and it's got interchangeable sort of lenses if you like like you, you can you spin the lenses around and then you can also put extensions on the back because you have to match the pinhole size with the with the yep. focal length so yeah but i did look on the website whichever one that was and um lucky for me they are out of stock and it doesn't look like he's going to make them for ages so i get to save my money <laughs> <laughs> save your pennies for a rainy day yeah, I mean, I've I've been looking at I've got probably got at any one time I've got about a dozen cameras I think on my uh, my my wish list. Um, probably the one, probably the one at the moment I keep looking at over and over again. I've become a bit obsessed by. Unfortunately, is the Contax T3, which is just a, a ridiculously insane amount of money. I mean, we're almost getting up into we're not quite an expan territory, um, but it is an absolutely ridiculous amount of money, and I kind of. I don't know. I, I I kind of think, you know, I've already got some really good cameras. Do I really need that? No, I don't need it. But I've, I've actually sold so many other cameras. And, you know, with the rising price of film cameras over the last few years, I've, I've made a few bob on those cameras, right? So you kind of think, well, given that I've made a bit of money on cameras that I didn't, you know, I didn't spend that much money on, do I just use that money and buy another one? Or, you know, is the stuff I've already got good enough? It probably is good enough. But I don't know. I, I guess that raises another question is that, 
you know, uh, do we ever get to a stage, Matt, it sounds like you're the closest to it, but do we ever get, to, well, Matt Jones, that is, because there's three Matts, but do you ever get to a stage where you stop wanting stuff and, you know, you, you, stop, you stop wanting stuff, um, you know, would you lose interest in photography if you stopped wanting new things? Well, I, I, I'm just more interested in the, in the final output and, and the technique. Yep. The, the cameras are awesome. Like cameras are, they're so desirable because they're from the industrial age, you know, and they're just beautifully handcrafted things that people don't make anymore. And yeah. they're wonderful little mechanical toys. But really, uh, so I, I appreciate people that want to buy it just because they're beautiful, like a Leica. I've never even touched one. Yep. But I want to see the print on my wall and I want to experiment with different ways of getting images and screwing up the images. So that's sort of where I'm focused and that. So, yeah, I guess the, the camera gas maybe fades away when from doing that, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, and that is that is interesting. I mean, I think some of the most, like, you know, like this ca- this robot camera, you know, like I absolutely, I, I don't know how I originally got one of these. I think I picked one up from Facebook Marketplace for $2. And um, I just thought I only bought it for because it, it was $2. I didn't even know what it was. But the amount of pleasure that camera gave me for 2 bucks, uh, and I've only shot two rolls of film through it, and I love it. Uh, and it's kind of, if you, if you work out how much, you love something or how much pleasure something gives you dollar per dollar. I mean, I can't really beat this thing, you know, and, and whereas if I bought a really expensive camera, even if I've made money from these other things I've sold, if I bought a really expensive camera, you have these expectations. Oh my God, you know, the, the images from this camera have to, will have to be amazing because I spent so much money on it. So yeah, it's interesting. What do you think? Well, what, what, hap- what happens if you buy the T3 and it costs yep. thousand dollars and it lasts a week and then the electronics die? Wouldn't you'd feel terrible, wouldn't you? I would feel terrible. Of course I would. Yeah, <laughs> I feel terrible. Um, or do I mean, you I've, like do you baby it? You know, if you cost that much money, you're more likely to sort of smother it a little bit and not. You know, you it's cost you fifty bucks. You're going to be like, well, that's going to the backpack, yeah. and I'm going to take it everywhere. You know? Yeah, that's right. So it's like that. I take my I've got my class S here somewhere. I take my class S out quite a bit. That costs about a thousand US dollars. I just, I guess, go into it with a, a, a sort of a, a feeling of just keep shooting with it. And if something happens or well, something happens, I could get hit by a bus just as equally as the camera could die, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I I don't worry about that too much, I guess. But it, it is, yeah, you, you kind of look at the T3 and go, well, okay, if it's, you know, 1800 US dollars or 2000 US dollars, you know, you are getting into a ridiculous, that's a ridiculous amount of money for a camera. Uh, like I said, you're getting up to, into X-Pan territory almost. Um, not quite, but almost. Mm. Can I throw in an honourable mention for my camera? For a camera, please. There's this guy who I follow in Scotland, and I'm going to butcher his name because I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce his surname. But uh, his name's Nils Axness, um, and he has a modular pinhole camera. Yep. So the lens comes out, the inside, the into so the box inside comes out. Um, everything's replaceable. It's all made from recycled plastics oh, as wow. well. And you can, because you can take it all apart, you obviously put different lenses in, put different pinholes in, put masks inside of it. Um, And so he's developed this and he's in this stages of, uh, he's got a prototype that he's sending a couple of them out to people in the wild to to use and give him feedback. Unfortunately, he won't send them beyond the UK shores at the moment, but uh, I keep keep hitting him up. But you can see his stuff. Uh, I think there was, there would have been an article, maybe Petapixel did an article, someone did an article not too long ago about it. Yeah. But um, 
for pinholes, you know, like what, Matt said what before. What format is it? Uh, well, he does a 120 and he does a 35. So, but I okay. think the 35 120 has bellows or some, I think it's scalable. I, I don't know if that one's in production yet, but he has a plan to, to make a, a multi-format one. And really you're sort of, if you don't go with, you know, something like that entering the market, you're looking at the zero image or the reality so subtle. So uh, there we go. Matt Joseph just threw up uh, the guy's Insta link. So the Insta link is up. Nils, N-I-L-S underscore, ask, uh, I'll spell it A-K-S-N-E-S. So there you go. Um, and yeah, he's got some images there of the, the pinhole cameras. They look look like to- look like toys, don't they? Look like sort of a, something you'd give to a child to play with or something, but they look very cute. I think there's um, the stuff he does with the masks is really good. You know, like being able to uh put a different mask in I, i'm guessing you're gonna have to take it apart to do it though i don't think you're gonna be able to on the fly be putting masks in but um i could be wrong very cool thank you to the um shows uh editor there matthew joseph who's who's working diligently behind the scenes to send us little links in the chat are you, are you still awake matthew yeah i'm, I'm here Excellent. hour and a half till bedtime you're listening to matt loves cameras couple more little questions here what do you think of the recent kodak controversy where they um kodak instagram account shared some work um from a i think it's a french photographer uh, which was in a remote chinese community where you know there's a lot of oppression and uh, i think the uyghur people where they're in you know basically there's a lot of you know repression going on there and and the image was actually taken down from kodak's account and kodak issued an apology uh, you know basically saying sorry we put this up and they basically bowed to pressure from uh you know the, the pro-Chinese government sort of, of lobby on the internet. That's a very small kind of, you know, paraphrasing of what happened. Uh, if people want to find out more, they can certainly Google that and they'll find out more information. Um, but I guess the issue is here, I'm sitting here in my Kodak t-shirt, which I love my Kodak t-shirt, but, you know, like, are there any film brands we actually, we can truly look up to anymore? Of course, Fujifilm always gets a bad rap from people because people say, oh, they're cancelling film and they're, they're discontinuing film and Kodak for, for many years were looked upon as the good guys, you know, but, you know, Kodak's actually two or three or whatever different companies and, you know, is there is there truly a, a film company now that we can look up to or, or is that kind of age in the past? Matthew Evans, you start off. Ilford. Ilford, yep. That's uh, mate, yeah. I mean, you've only got Kodak and Ilford. Fuji are going to be out of the game anytime soon. So you're sort of Kodak taking that post down. I mean, I wonder how much pressure of that was. I mean, their film is made in China, right? With China I believe so. so. Yeah. You can't really mess well, some, with some that. of the base for it, maybe or something. Or yeah, yeah. So I, I imagine there was some some choice words had there whether they would be able to continue to yep. produce some things. Um, so you can't really blame them on that front. But at the same time, it's like it is an atrocity. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only other things you got, you've got Ilford, that's it. You've got no one else yep. making anything else. So until mm. someone else decides what well, we're going to start um, getting into it and making something that's more universal not not like a cine still where yes you can get it everywhere but it's still a specialty film you know yeah that's, that's probably this is like a big issue with globalism really isn't it i mean film used to be made i think did we used to make film in australia maybe kodak used to make yeah. it in australia yeah melbourne 
Yeah, Melba, that's right. The play Coburg, the play in Coburg. Um, so that you know, film used to be made in the United States and all these different countries. And now because of you know globalism and, and the modern economy, you know, oh well, it's cheaper to do it here, so we'll just do it in that country over there. But all of a sudden, you know, if if that country, if, you know, you post something on social media and that that cut that whole country takes offence to it, uh, and your supply chain is threatened, uh, it, you know, it's pretty crazy. We've seen you know China put, um, you know, China have stopped the uh, the the export of Australian lobster. And, and all sorts of stuff uh, just to, as a retaliation uh, because they don't like the Australian government. And so, yeah, I mean, Kodak took that post down probably because they were under immense pressure. If they didn't take it down, well, hey, we might stop making, well, might be some serious delays to that stuff you need. Um, what do you think, Matt Jones? No more Portra 400. Imagine that. <laughs> this is this is a Huawei phone I'm holding up next to my face. They're oh, listening. No. I'm living Can you turn the microphone off? <laughs> China have been blamed for so much stuff. They're a wonderful, progressive country, and we should all do everything we can to support them. Haven't you had the Sinovax, the the, the Chinese? Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's the Sinovax. Sounds like it's there. working. <laughs> What's the it's rating on well. that? What's the percentage uh, uh, rating on it? 110. <laughs> Minus 100. There you go. That's what I think. And Australia should be nice to China too. You know, if Australia wanted to get back on and, and on the right foot with China, just say to President Xi, hey, can you send us over 10 million Sinopharm and Sinovac doses? Yes, we'll get them there on a plane tomorrow. Vaccinate everyone in Australia. No more lockdowns. Friends with China again. Sell everything. We don't have a problem with uh, vaccine delivery. What are you talking about? I've no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Matthew Joseph, Matthew Joseph, what's your take? I also have a Huawei phone that oh, I'm speaking no. into, <laughs> and I'll quote Matt Evans and say, fuck them. <laughs> I, I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, Kodak have gone from this brand that everyone loved to all of a sudden, you know, people. I have seen people online saying, I'm not going to buy Kodak anymore. And as, as a color oh. shooter, I don't have that option. I, I, I've got to buy Kodak. I haven't got much option at all. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to do that. But, um, you know, like even Polaroid back in the day in the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, Polaroid was his company from this visionary guy. Uh, and, you know, it was kind of Dr. Edward Land. It was, it was kind of like, you know, they were very progressive. I love him. I would, I do love him and the progressive, very progressive policies in terms of the staff and how they looked after people. But the, the co modern companies just don't seem like that anymore. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's just the age we're living in, but uh, you know, it's it's hard to to see. Maybe I, I don't know too much about Ilford. I know they didn't they go broke and they had a management buyout. Is that correct? Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's happened because they were were they. They're up in the north of England now, I think. Right now, I think they moved at some stage. But uh, it, it's interesting how, you know, is there a brand that we can sort of – a camera brand we can love anymore? Uh, and maybe maybe the future is these small kind of, um, you know, brands like, you know, the Camera Dactyls and this other guy, this Scottish guy, and, you know, these small people doing uh, – you know, it's not small people, but small companies doing very niche products. Maybe that's the future rather than these massive – global companies in, in the film industry. Well, maybe uh, Cinesta will become same. a global, you know, global in that aspect because Cinesta is everywhere, right? It's invasive, but... It's, but they, all this stuff's made by Kodak. They what? All this stock is... Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, you're right. So if Kodak, yeah. 
I don't know. There's no. What are we, you're right. Until someone else comes along with something that's mass producible, which Lom, is, Lomo. I mean, Lomography. Yeah. They were they were the they were sort of the last player, right? But like you say, they're just buying it off Kodak. So yeah, and their purple stuff's made in China itself. So hmm, there you go. Oh dear. Okay, so um, a couple more questions here. What is the sexiest shutter sound? Hasselblad 500. Have you got one, Matthew Joseph? No. Okay, but you, but you, you like the sound? Yeah, it's that truck, shocky, yep. clicky sound. It's hard. I can't make the sound. Google it. <laughs> Matt <laughs> Joseph is holding up. <laughs> I do have a Hasselblad um, 500cm and it does have an awesome sound but it's downstairs and and when I saw this question I thought should I get the Hasselblad or not but I I really this is a quirky sound the Lomo LCA120 yep and it's really scratchy and it's hard to push on the shutter but there's something about it I kind of like yeah if, if everyone's really quiet you'll be able to hear it wow can you do it again it sounds like a staple gun Yes, it does sound a lot like a staple gun. It's like using a staple gun when you push it on your finger too. Very cool. cool. I, I I have a I have the, one of the original LCAs, but it's it's developed an issue, and I've been meaning to buy another one, and I just haven't got around to it yet. But um, there you go, Matt Evans. What is your favorite sexiest shutter sound? I thought about this for a while, and I was like, oh, you know, thinking like Matt Joseph, maybe I'll go with a Hasselblad. I used to have a Hasselblad, and. I'll go with something like that. Or, oh, no, 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 maybe I should honor my roots and I'll go with the Holger, you know, the plasticky sound. Yep. Do you know what I'm going to pick? I'm going to pick the Canon AE-1. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to pick that is because there's probably millions of people out there that hear it every single day and don't know right. they hear it every single yep. day. iPhone. iPhone. iPhone yep. or Mac- MacBook as well yes. with your, yeah, your yeah. Mac your screenshot. screenshot. Yep. So um, I- I'm going to say that. That, that was a damn good recording that guy did. It, it's it's a very, yeah, I don't think I can, I mean, he was a sound engineer, to be fair. So, he, you know, that's his job. But uh, that is a very good recording of the, the AE1 uh, on the uh, on the Macs and the iPhones and stuff. I, I, I've got a, a couple of ones I like, of course. Uh, I like the SX70. You can't go past a good SX70. Uh, but also, I, like, I do like the Olympus pen f uh pen ft rather um it's yeah all mechanical camera and it just i don't know it has a very some cameras when you press the shutter button it's not very satisfying but when you press the pen ft and there's that that clunk it's it's yeah i i, I do really like that sound uh okay and, and we're gonna, gonna play the hasselblad sound yeah do it do it i didn't know you had a hasselblad oh you don't you're going to the internet aren't you yeah i said i was going to go on then you can't really hear it silent that shutter is silent <laughs> it's a Leica <laughs> so you played it yeah I played it well, did you not hear it climax no <laughs> yeah I heard something but it did sound distorted my end my end is not distorted uh, okay so we're going to get on to the uh, the last um, little section last, last question I've left one of the one of the hardest questions to last for, for this round of Matt's Love Cameras. See what I did there, Matt's Love Cameras. Um, so 
I know a recent episode of I Dream of Cameras. Uh, I'd say I Dream of Cameras has been my favourite um, film photography podcast the last six months or so. Really, really big fan of Jeff and Gabe and, and, and their podcast. But they did have a little section where Jeff was talking about Vivian Meyer, uh, of course, the uh, Chicago uh, nanny who was a prolific photographer. She literally had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, if not thousands of rolls of film she took during her life. Oh, it was definitely thousands of rolls during her lifetime. And some of the images, you know, are just extraordinary images of, of, of people in, you know, street photography and documentary photography of, of people in Chicago and, and New York and other places. Um, but Jeff sort of said something which I thought, I thought, you know, a big fan of Jeff, but I thought he was a little bit uncharitable towards Vivian Meyer. Uh, he basically said something along the lines of that, uh, you know, like Cartier-Bresson articulated his vision and his intention as a photographer. And so did Ansel Adams. They wrote books. They talked to people about their photography. Vivian Meyer, people knew Vivian Meyer had a she had a camera that she always had a camera with her but she never spoke about her photography very much she never showed people her images uh until you know these were undiscovered until after she died so do you need to articulate your vision and your intention as a photographer to be considered you know a serious artist or a serious photographer or is just taking the photos enough it's a bit bit of a heavy question who wants to go first yeah i'll take it go for it i'm a big I, well, I used to be a big fan of the old guard of photography, the bunch of old white wankers. Um, they, you know, like they're, they're, they're good and they capital, capitalised on, you know, this new at the time sort of art form and it's probably got a lot to do with the level of success that they gained. Timing, it was pretty much on their side. Yep, because they are old, and you know I'm I've never look I haven't really taken the time to look at Vivian Meyer's photography, but I have seen some photos. It's very difficult to uh, not see them, and she was a great photographer. And you know if you want to prattle on about your photography and try and justify it and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, then good for you. Do that. Do the you know, do the middle-aged white man thing, go go nuts. But, you know, she was a good photographer and, you know, I don't think you need to, you know, a picture, a picture um, is worth a thousand words and mm. um, I think, you know, if you're good, you're good and if you're not, you're not and if you want to talk about your photography until people fall asleep, then do that too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just because uh, I think just because you set out a vision or intention, it doesn't necessarily mean it's interesting. It doesn't mean your mm. photography is any good. It's a bit like when you go to an art gallery sometimes and you see some modern art on the wall and you, you wonder what the hell it is. And there's an artist statement, you know, and it's trying to describe the work. and It's almost trying to justify what the hell's on the wall. It's like, I don't know, I, I, I kind of feel the same. Just because you can write about your intention or your vision doesn't mean it's any good. And similarly, just because you don't tell anyone or you don't write a book or a podcast or a, or a YouTube account about your photography. I don't think that necessarily means anything either. Uh, Matt Evans, what do you think? Oh, I was going to say there's a, how many artists do you think are out there that are undiscovered or don't push their stuff forward that are making exceptional work, you know, yeah. just because mm. someone comes along and toots their own horn and shouts and says, come and check out my staff doesn't mean that they're any better than someone that doesn't do that you've got a lot of people with a lot of different personalities some people it's not in their 
you know, their DNA to be able to go and throw it out there and, and talk about it. And they're, they're much more recluse and introvert and they're at least, they're, but they're still making a killer work, you know? Mm. And so I think it, it, we should be looking at the, what the content that they're making, the stuff that they're making is what we should all be looking at. She made some bangers, man, some great mm. shots that she took. She was a great photographer. So I don't agree with it. We talked about this before, and it's the same with the like, artists. We talk about some of the greats and how they were only discovered after they died, and it's the same uh, sort of thing. I just, you know, it's just you can even apply it to modern day times and stuff like influencers and the people that you constantly see on social media platforms pushing their work or pushing their, you know, come and do my master classes and learn all about this stuff. And it's like, just because they're wanking on about it doesn't mean that they're any better than the people, yeah. than, than everyday people who are just taking on and learning their craft and doing what they love. And that's probably the biggest thing is if you enjoy it, just, yeah. you know, that that's what's important. Like it gives you happiness. It's a, it's a, a joy box, right? So that's, that's the thing. I mean, people sort of say, well, why why didn't Vivian Ma show anyone her, her photographs? And that's the thing. I, I think you've touched upon it there. It probably was the kind of thing that just gave her purpose. It gave her pleasure. And she didn't feel the, probably didn't feel the need to show anyone else or tell anyone else. Um, so, yeah, it didn't make her any less of a photographer. Matt Jones, what do you think? I completely understand where she's coming from. She just didn't want followers. I don't want them either. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us are shy, retiring types, you know. You, you, you are wearing, a, you are wearing a pink wig, I, I will remind you right now. <laughs> she was just doing her thing. She didn't want everyone to see these bloody pictures, so stop going on about it and, and respect it and don't look at them if you, if you don't want to. I mean, the irony of the whole situation is perhaps – Perhaps she didn't want it. Perhaps, you know, she just liked the, the photos herself and she liked taking them. She enjoyed it. And the irony is, of course, after her death that the whole world seen them. And, uh, you know, I do wonder what she would think about all this. Would she be secretly happy about it or would she be horrified? You look at it now, though. We look at it differently as well, don't we, with our the eyes – our eyes are viewing her images and it's a slice of time. It's a, it's, you know, it's yeah. a period and it's like, wow, look at these, um, this captured this unique time in history and sort of an era. And this collection she's got as a body of collection is like a, is like a, a great capsulation of that. And so we look at it like that now as this little, like, um, <clears throat> you know, like throwback, or, or, you know, like an eye into that world. Absolutely. You know, well, well that's disappeared. Exactly, but she might have showed her pictures to people at the time, and they might have said, "Why are you taking pictures of people yeah. unloading trucks?" Or, yeah, you know, yeah. like, what was this crap? Like, they might have thought that. We don't know what people thought at the time, but and, and I, so you know, that's the thing—you don't know what's important. And that's—it's the one thing I've always thought is like, at the end of the day, what photos are you going to look at yourself? And it's usually going to be photos of things that you hold dear, your family, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm guilty of probably not taking enough pictures. I'm certainly guilty of not taking enough video of my family and my kids and yeah. that's something I need to rectify. But I think, I think you have touched on something there as well. I mean, I think, you know, she was, I, I really like, love her photography and I think it was, she did have some absolute bangers and, and, and amazing photos, but uh, an added thing is that they were taken at a, in a time and an era which has disappeared, you know, and, and that's, uh, does give it an extra fascination. Uh, and when you look at all those photographers from those kind of areas, you know, I, I am more, I, I do love their work because it, it is like going back in a time machine and, and seeing a world that you can't see anymore, which is, which gives it an extra dimension. We should probably hate them for pushing up the prices of TLRs as well. Yeah, well, there is that as well. <laughs> 
listening to Matt Loves Cameras. That's the one you're going to use. So there you go. There was the podcast episode with the four Matts. Matt Murray, Matt Evans, Matt Jones, and Matthew Joseph. I hope you enjoyed it. It sort of cut off abruptly there because I did say to the guys, hey, I should get you back. And to finish this episode off, we'll do a little a Matt quiz and see which Matt is the, the, the trivia champion. Um, but that was, uh, I think we recorded that about 10 days ago. So I thought, oh, by the time I get them all back together again and I do a quiz, it'll be another week or two. So I thought, uh, and the episode was already like an hour and a half. So I thought I might as well just put the podcast episode out as is. Uh, so there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. Let me know what you think. Uh, tell me what you think. Mattlovescameras at gmail.com. And um, I'm actually doing a, a GoFundMe. If if you never want to hear from any of those mats again, you can donate to the GoFundMe. Um, <laughs> only joking, only joking. Um, but there you go. There's the four mats. Thank you to them for giving up their time and their opinions. I think some of them were a bit remorseful afterwards that they were so opinionated and so sweary. Um, but uh, there you go. It, it all made for, a, for a, a lively discussion, which is fantastic. Now, I've just got a couple more things before I finish off this episode. Firstly, I really want to give a heartfelt thanks to Mike Gutterman. Uh, he did a shout out for the fantastic competition the other day on the, the wonderful Negative Positives Facebook group. And I didn't ask him to, he just did it because he heard it on episode 49. So thank you so much to Mike. Hopefully, uh, Mike has actually got an Ansco Pix panorama. So I'm hoping that Mike would get out there and shoot his cheap pano plastic camera and send in some entries. Uh, really looking forward to, to Mr. Mike Gutterman joining in. So fingers crossed he, he gets his ass in gear. Um, and also want to, um, you know, just say a very special thank you to Mike for all the support that he gives, not only this podcast, but also all the other podcasts. He really is, um, you know, a very, a uh, bit of a linchpin in the film community. You know, he, a lot of the activity and things going on revolve around negative positives and Mike. And, um, you know, in terms of, of getting people together, interviewing people and, and sort of keeping being film alive I think Mike is doing a wonderful job and uh, just wanted to recognise that he recently had a hard time his father passed away you may have heard if you, if you listen to Negpaz um, so just want to I've already sort of said something you know uh, to him uh, through Facebook but I just want to say uh, to Mike that um, yeah he's, he's an amazing guy uh, and um, I hope he, he keeps doing what he's doing because uh, yeah he certainly is a very valuable asset to the film photography community now, someone else I've met through the film photography community through this podcast is Lucy Lumen. Now, I mentioned Lucy last episode, so I hope that a few of you went along to Lucy Lumen's Analog Adventures on YouTube and checked out her channel. It's run by Lucy and her partner Lux. They both work very hard together uh, to bring the visuals, um, the, the photography, the videography, the music together, and they do a wonderful job. So get along there and support her. And um, we actually met up, I think, in episode 49, I told you about this, but I went down the Gold Coast, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, gosh, time flies. And um, yeah, it was really, really fantastic. Really enjoyed it. It was actually a very warm spring day. And um, I think Lucy got a bit sunburned. I, I put zinc all over my face and my arms and I think I was okay. I just looked very white on the video because the, the zinc kind of makes your skin go a bit white. So I look a bit like a snowman. Um, but we had a fantastic time. We walked around uh, the Kira sort of Kulangata area of the Gold Coast for about two hours. 
We swapped cameras, so Lucy had my Canon AF35 ML, and I had her Nikon L, was it L35 AF? Is that what it is? I can't remember the model of camera. Um, but the episode with Lucy and I is just about to drop on her channel. So get along to Lucy Lumen's Analog Adventures, Google that up and you'll get to YouTube. And I believe it's going to drop, um, I think it's going to drop in the next few hours. So there you go, it's going to drop in the next few hours. So get along there and subscribe and turn the notifications on and you will see me, you will see me on YouTube. Uh, and like I've said many times before, I've got a great face for podcasting. So hopefully um, Lucy won't get too many unsubscribes. <laughs> and uh, I have seen a, a sneak peek of the video. Uh, the music's great. Um, her partner Lux has done a fantastic job putting it all together. Really great production values. Uh, photography from Lucy and I is pretty good. I mean, Lucy's a great. Mine, it's funny, I, I was a little bit disappointed with some of the ones I got back. Uh, but then when I actually saw them cut together with the video footage, I thought, oh yeah, they look pretty good actually so I was happy in the end um, but it, it, yeah it's a really interesting video I have already um, seen a preview of that so um, yeah I'm really looking forward to promoting that and I'm also thinking I am thinking about doing my own YouTube channel but uh, I don't know all these things take time right and I don't have an in-house videographer maybe one day <laughs> maybe I'll train one of the kids up to be my videographer Anyway, I better go and finish this episode off. Take care, cheerio. Make sure you get onto mattlovescameras.com and get your plastic pano cameras out and um, yeah, shoot those panos and take part in Fantastic 2021. Take care, cheerio. Bye-bye. Matt's Love Cameras. Ah, 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 ah. You ruined it. <laughs> Shut up. I'll fucking stab you. <laughs> I'm gonna make you bleed! <laughs> you dead dog! <laughs>